truth, perspective, and growth. This is the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. That is the conduit. That is the the connection that is going to allow the Spirit of God to flow through you, to impact this world, to bring the revival we're praying for, to bring the presence of God that we're so desperately needing, to bring these things that we talk about. But unless we love our neighbor the way we love God, this is never going to happen. Thank you. First off, hold up. Nuh-uh. Come on. How proud are you of your pastor, your youth pastor right here? Come on. Listen, and I'm going to say, and I didn't mean, I didn't plan to do this, but I've seen blood, I've seen sweat, I've seen tears come out of this man and Gracia and his family and his friends for you guys. COVID-19 was not just hard for you, it was hard for him, it was hard for our pastors. We felt the weight. And Pastor Joel, I just appreciate that you cared enough to put in the extra work and energy to make sure that you stay connected with your students. Can you give it up for him? Not every youth pastor has that heart. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Honored to be here. I think they're going to get me a table in a second, but Crave, how you guys doing? You guys doing a little bit better? Come on, Pastor Casey just brought the house down. How you guys doing? I've actually begged them to come because it's so much easier to preach after Pastor Casey and this amazing worship team that we have. So I don't know how that worked out, but thank you. Um, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Honestly, this is uh, an honor for me. I don't ever take it lightly whenever I get to share the word, especially with young people, because I love young people. You know, the reason why I love you guys so much is because you guys are just real. You know, you haven't learned to, uh, you know... Most of you haven't learned how to, you know, put the mask up. You just say how it is, right? You kind of just tell people how you feel. And I love that because there's something powerful about just being authentic. And I appreciate that about young people. And what would happen if a young generation just became authentically passionate about Jesus? Like no mask, no guard, no filter, right? No churchy lingo, no worldly lingo, whatever. Just it is what it is. I am who I am. I love Jesus wherever I go. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. This world will be turned upside down. Honestly, the future of this world is in your hands. So I love you guys. But you guys have a mantle that's on your life. And a lot of you guys are learning how to carry that right now in these services. And it can be heavy sometimes. Am I right? Right? The, the anointing of God falls upon you and, you and you feel this weight, but you don't know how to process it, right? You don't know how to handle it. And so it takes pastors, it takes leaders, it takes people wrapping their arms around you and showing you what it looks like to live a life faithful to Jesus, passionate about your calling, and living out your purpose in God. So I just want to say I'm proud of you. You could be anywhere right now, isn't that true? Unless, unless, unless your parent made you be here. But Even if they did, I believe God used all that because he's got a purpose for your life. And I don't believe you're going to walk out of this room without meeting Jesus. Amen. Well, again, thank you guys for being here. I want to talk to you. I'm going to try not to preach at you because this really kind of came from my heart. God gave me something to, um, to share with you. And I really feel like if we can capture this as a church, 
that it's something that can really take us into a new level of intimacy with God and ultimately really carrying the mantle that we have. You know the hope of the world is not politics? You know that? Do you know the hope of the world is not uh, in policies and in decisions? It's not in it being this way or being this way or making. You know the hope of the world is the local church? It's you. That you guys carry the presence of God, the spirit of God, and the only hope this world has is you. It's Jesus. And that's a big deal. Do you, do you feel that? And that's a little bit of that man, man I'm talking about. Do you feel that weight sometimes when you hang out with your friends and they don't know God? Do you feel that? When you, when you see them going down a road that you know they shouldn't be going on? When you see them giving their lives away to people they shouldn't be giving their lives away to, getting hurt, getting, getting uh, scarred? And you're like, man, there's this different direction, Right? Like there's this person called Jesus. There's this, there's, this, there's this amazing love from the Father that if you just got a little bit of a taste, if you could just maybe come to a service and feel the love that God has for you, maybe your life will be changed forever. But you watch your friends and they keep going down the wrong road. Maybe some of you have family members. They're going down the wrong road. And it breaks your heart. You want to see change, and you feel that weight. Do you know what that weight is? That's the responsibility of a child of God. That's the responsibility of the church to be the light, to be the hope, to be the carriers of God's presence in this world. You have a responsibility. The problem is we're so different. Isn't that true? Every, um, <laughs> I love my man in the back. He said, yup, because <laughs> it's true. We're so different. I look around, everyone's different, and I love that we're all different. But our differences can either serve to magnify the glory of God of how good he is and how good his creation is, or the world can hijack our differences and use them to divide us, use them to conquer us, and use them to keep us separated from each other. But our differences were never meant to divide us. Matter of fact, God created us different to show how unique and wonderful and amazing he is. I'm glad we're not all the same. I'm glad you're not like me. I get cranky when I'm hungry. And if we're all cranky in here when we're hungry, it's going to be a bad day, amen? <laughs> I'm glad we're different. I'm glad that you're not like me. And you should be glad that you're not like me. You should rejoice in the fact that you are uniquely different. But sometimes we don't like differences. Differences are often seen as barriers. And we actually can start to begin to use these differences to protect our own identity. Oh, I'm not like this, right? Or I'm not like that. I'm not that type of person. I'm this type of person. Oh, I don't do this. I do that. And we think we're protecting our identity. But what if I were to tell you that actually your differences is what makes you human? That the fact that you are different from someone else is actually the reason that you know that God created you, that you're human. And what if I were to tell you that your differences with other people in the church, in God's family, is actually a part of your growing process? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You mean that person that's irritating me all the time is actually part of God growing you? Yes, that's what I said. You mean that person 
my mom, <clears throat> that I can't stand and is, is telling me to do this and do that and all these different things. You mean God is using her? Yes. He is. It's part of your growing process. We tend to try to take people and form them into what we think they should be. Isn't that true? You get a friend, you're like, man, you're cool, but if you could just wear these shoes or just this type of clothes, and then we could take a really cool Instagram picture and look amazing on the, on the gram, right? We try to take people and form them into what we think they should be. And so we try to change people to see and think the way we do. But what we're actually doing when we do that is saying, yeah, God, you did a great job creating the world. You did a great job doing all of this stuff. Yeah, the stars are amazing. The universe is amazing. All of these things are great. But God, you didn't finish it up. Let me, let me go ahead and put the final touch on it. Let me go ahead and mold them up a little bit this way and get them thinking like this way. And then it'll be great. But the truth is, the beautiful part of God's diverse family is in our own unique personalities. It's the fact that you are different. And God will use these differences to help us grow more into his likeness because he is unfathomably big. And your personality doesn't fill God. All of who you are does not complete who God is. The church, us, in all of our uniqueness, in all of our differences, in all of our different personalities, comes together to create this amazing thing called the body of Christ, who reflects the image of God. Oh, you're not big enough to reflect all of God. You're not. We need each other. We need our differences. But here's the lie that many of us struggle in our self-obsessed, consumer-driven culture, we've been deceived into believing that in order for you to live out your purpose, you have to search deep, deep, deep within yourself, find your own strength to walk it out. But that's a lie. And so many of us, including myself, have fallen for the lie that you just need to find it deep within yourself to, to get that strength and you're going to walk it out. And here's the truth about this lie. You cannot discover or grow into your purpose without your community and God's family. It's impossible. You will never live out your purpose in God on your own. You will never live out your purpose in God disconnected from his family. There was a time when a guy named D.L. Moody, and you probably don't know who that is, it's okay. He had a night service in he was preaching, and back in the day, they preached a long time, like three hours. You're like, my goodness, I'm glad I, I didn't live back then, right? So he had a long night service. He's preaching, and this young guy's in the back, a little skeptical, hearing him preach, and he, but he was interested. Something intrigued him. So afterwards, he got with D.L. Moody's um, team, and he said, I would really like to talk to him. D.L. Moody graciously went into the back room and talked to him, spoke with him a little bit. And they were sitting on a couch in front of a fire, and the coals were burning. There's a nice little atmosphere, and they're having a conversation. And the young man begins to lay out his big thought and idea of how he could be a really good Christian without the church. And he had all of his plans. You ever heard that? I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You ever heard that? I don't need the church to, to love Jesus. God loves me wherever I'm at. You ever heard that? And that's what this guy was saying. He was, he was laying out his plan of, I don't need this. 
I don't need this. You know, the church is fake and they're this and all this stuff. I don't need them. All I need is God. And he laid out all of his plan. He thought it worked. And D.L. Moody's just sitting back, kind of listening to him like, hmm, that's, that's interesting, right? And in the middle of this young man talking, he grabs a poker. And he takes the coal. He sticks the poker into the coal and pulls it out. Right now, the young man's looking at him like, oh, my gosh, what is he doing right now? And D.L. Moody's just smiling graciously at the young man. He's still talking. And he puts the coal on the ground. Young man continues to talk. D.L. Moody's just smiling. And then Moody starts looking at the coal. And it's fading away. And it's dying down. And the glow's going down. There's no more heat. There's no more radiation. And finally, it just becomes a lump of ash. And Moody looks at the coal of ash, and he looks up at the young man, and the young man says, you've made your point. <laughs> because the truth is, a coal outside of a fire can't burn. And just the same, you disconnected from God's family cannot grow. You can't. You cannot disconnect from the body of Christ, which is your life source, and continue to grow. So we're left with something. Can we accept each other in our differences, or do we have to try to do this thing on our own? And I'm here to tell you that you cannot do this alone. You will always be better together. You cannot fulfill your God-given purpose disconnected from his family. In Ephesians 4, uh, verse 16, the Bible says, from him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's you. You're like a ligament stuck to Jesus, right? And it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Meaning that you are a supporting structure to the body of Christ just like my brother over here is a supporting structure. And as we in love do our work, our mission, our purpose, we serve to strengthen each other, to build each other, to grow each other into this amazing thing called God's family. In all our uniqueness and flaws and differences and all of that, we make this beautiful thing called God's family. You see, the truth is you need the presence and spirit of God working and moving through his people to interact with you in life. His movement in other people's lives around you actually connects them to what he is doing in your life as much as it connects you to what he's doing in their life. And ultimately, you all connect together to serve what he is doing in this world today. We need each other. You cannot do this alone. Unplug from his body, and you unplug from your life source. And that's a fact. This is why you lose your way so quick, quickly when you isolate yourself. This is, when you, this is why you get so hopeless when you find yourself alone in your room at night with no one to talk to, with no one to interact with. And all of a sudden, you lose this sense of belonging. You lose this sense of being a part of something bigger than yourself and you become introverted and you look within for hope and you look within for meaning and you look within for this thing that you're desperately grasping for but you would never find it. You never find it alone. Has anyone ever felt this way before? Have you ever felt that way? 
This is why so many people quickly slip into depression when they're on their own. Because the presence of God desires and aims to unite people, not separate them. The Spirit's job is actually to unite the church together, not separate them. Not not put you over here and put them over here. It's to unite us together in love. And the beauty of God's creation is that all of our differences actually blend together in really cool ways when his spirit is flowing throughout our lives. These differences that we all have, and how many of you know you're different? Be real. Come on. How many of you guys like that you're different? That's amazing. I'm glad that you do. And these differences that you have, they're actually meant to enhance this world to reflect God's beauty and goodness out into the world. Yet tragically, without God's spirit, these differences can also serve to destroy us and divide us. And that is why it's so crucial to be connected in unity with one another. So you're like, okay, Michael, that's great. By the way, you like my sweatshirt? I know, it's nice. Got my name right here in case you didn't know it. Thank you, appreciate it. You're like, okay, Michael, this is great. I get it. Good point. But I'm going to be real with you, and I'm going to say what you're already thinking. It's not easy to get along. Come on. That's a fact. Right? (laughs) That came from a real place. Y'all hear that? (laughs) Something happened there. (laughs) It isn't easy. It just isn't easy. Now you're like, okay, you're finally talking my language. Okay, we're here, all right? We're in agreement. It's not easy to get along all the time. You could be saying to me right now, Michael, you, that's great that you really have this great concept, but people are fake. People hurt you. People lie about you. People stab you in the back and say a bunch of mean things, and they do this and they do that, and they act one way at church, and then they act another way at school, and all of this stuff, and you're like, you, you just don't understand. I understand. I get it. I've been stabbed in the back. I've been hurt. I've been talked about. Right? I get it. I know that people can be a type of way. I get it. But what if, uh uh-oh, what if those people you're saying those things about are saying the same thing about you? Is that possible? I bet you it's likely. You know, I've seen reconciliation happen so quickly when people just let go what they feel they let go of other people's flaws. They just drop them away. And there's actually a solution to this problem. And I'm going to give you the solution, but I'm going to talk about a couple things before I get there. So we're going somewhere, amen? Hold that thought. Here's the problem that we're dealing with. When you live your life, you have two different options. Actually, we have three, but the world has two, typically. You can either live your life focused on yourself, and when you live your life focused on yourself, then you only have a couple options there. One, you either focus on all your flaws and problems, and you live your life depressed and discouraged, feeling like you can never get it right. Has anybody ever been there? You see everything that's wrong with you, you feel everything that's wrong with you, and you live your life feeling discouraged because you can just never get it together. Or you can be that other person who focuses on all your strengths and turns a blind side to your own flaws. And you think you are it. Like when you walk into the building, you're like, I am here. 
Y'all see it? I'm here. And you focus on how good you are. The problem with that is you then turn a blind side to the flaws and healing that God desires to restore in your life. So either way you look at it, when you live your life focused on yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. Either one of these options are L's. You know what an L is? You took the loss. And it's a major loss. Focus on your flaws and you're going to miss the strength and gifts that God gave you. Focus on your strengths and you're going to ignore all the weakness and broken spaces that God wants to restore in you. Okay, well, let's look at another scenario. What happens when you live your life focused on other people? Some of you do that in here. It's easy to do that with Instagram, right? Man, you got everyone's life in the palm of your hand. You just start scrolling. You're like, man, I can't believe she wore that outfit today. I can't believe they posted that. I can't believe so-and-so's parents got Instagram. What are they doing, right? You just go through your list of stuff. I'm just being real with you. Come on. Try to act all holy on me. And you go through this. It's easy to look at other people's lives, right? You focus on other people's flaws. And you constantly tear people down in your mind and with your mouth. And some of you are really good at that. Or you focus on other people's strengths. And you begin to idolize them or want to be like them. You begin to dress like them, act like them, talk like them. And they become the source of who you want to be. Again, Either one of these options is a fail. You're not going to be happy or live your purpose living with the mindset. When you focus on other people's flaws, you miss the gifts that they do have. Gifts that can bring blessing and grace to your life and the lives around you. When you focus on other people's strengths, you fail to see that they are just like you, but different. And you exalt them over yourself. And you grow feelings of not being good enough or not being enough like them and by lifting them up, you tear yourself down. And you tear down your own unique God-created identity. So what can we do about this? You're like, man, these are, sounds like a lot of problems. Is there a solution? I'm going to give you an answer. But it's really, really deep and profound, so I need you to listen really closely, okay? I'm going to give you the answer. You focus on Jesus. I know it's a shocker. That's deep, right? You focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is the place where both sides of your focus comes together. Jesus is the place where your focus is brought into perfection. Don't you feel it when you're in the presence of God? You're so mad at somebody. I can't believe they did that. Or you're mad at yourself. I can't believe I did that. And then you meet Jesus and it just fades away and you're flooded with hope and love and grace and mercy. Why? Because you've met the king, the redeemer. Jesus is the place where your focus comes together. And here's the thing, guys. The reason that Jesus is the place where focus comes together is because Jesus is the place where God's plan for his creation comes together. Jesus is the place where God's plan for your life is fulfilled and completed. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10 says this. Jesus made known to us the mystery. The Father made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ 
to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God's plan was for his people to go out into the world and enhance creation, to build, to grow, to establish culture, to establish community. His plan was to fill this world with people who reflect God's love and his wisdom and his justice out into this world. And to say it another way, God's plan was for us to partner with him and make this world a place suitable for his presence to dwell. And you know the only stipulation that, to that plan that we find in the beginning of the Bible, the only thing that really was a mandate, he wanted us to do that plan together. Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Create community. Create cities. Create families. The plan was meant for us to accomplish it together. So when I say... Jesus is the place where God's plan for redemption comes together. What I'm saying is the purpose for humanity was always meant to be accomplished in community and not by individuals. And I'm saying that Jesus is the place that you need to build your life from, and he connects us to each other by his spirit, and he connects us to our own intended purpose in our lives together. So how do we do this? That's a great question. Let me break it down. There's one verse Actually, it's two verses. Actually, it's five verses. <laughs> but remember all of that. Jesus was asked one day what the greatest commandment was for Israel. In other words, they were asking him, Jesus, what's the most important thing to God? Because they want to know. He's this great teacher teaching all this wisdom, healing people, dead people coming to life. And they're like, man, that's really cool. We want to we get some answers from this guy, right? Okay, Jesus, what is the most important thing to God? And his response you find in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, which was the fulfillment of his plan, hangs on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll be honest with you, we try really, 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 really hard with the first one, but we don't put a whole lot of effort into the second one. We come to church and we say, I just need a little bit of Jesus for me. I just need a little bit of word for me. I just need a little bit of insight so I can be good. And we put our effort and our time and our energy in trying to love God. But we forgot about our neighbor. We forgot that the reflection of your connection to God is actually evidenced by the way you love your neighbor. That your relationship with God is not seen in how good you can pray in your prayer closet or how many scriptures that you memorize or how many services that you signed up for or how many things that you do with the church. It's actually seen in the way you love the person sitting next to you. The way you love the people that are at your school. The way you love your people that don't think like you that don't talk like you, that don't look like you. That's the thermometer 
of your relationship with God. That's the easiest way for you to look at your life and say, okay, God, where are we at right now? Okay, well, go through a checklist of the people that you interact with. Do you love them well? Do you treat them with dignity, with respect? The way that you passionately seek to love God, do you counteract or do you move and transfer that same level of love and passion to the people around you? Come on, we all don't do that great like that sometimes, right? I'm not the best at that. And God, usually when I come to pray, I'm like, okay, God, there's a situation. Lord, I just need you to fix it, God, right? This person did this, and this person said that, and Lord, you just really need to straighten them out because they just don't get it, God. And if you could just get them to get it, then everything's going to be all right. And 99.99% of the time, he's like, Michael, I don't think you get it. I don't think you understand. I don't think you love that person the way I love you. And talk about straightening up your perspective, right? Your job's not to fix people. Your job's to love people. And that love is the vessel that the gospel goes out into the world. The way you love your neighbor is the way the world will be saved. The way you love people in your school is the way your witness will be effective. The way you love people in your relationships, the way you love and honor your parents, the way you love the people that you live around, that is the vessel, that is the conduit, that is the the connection that is going to allow the Spirit of God to flow through you, to impact this world, to bring the revival we're praying for, to bring the presence of God that we're so desperately needing, to bring these things that we talk about. But unless we love our neighbor the way we love God, this is never going to happen. We have to do this together. And it's not just this room. I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about the people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about the people who who hate God right now because they're hurt and they're broken and they've been through things that you don't know about and they've seen things that you've never seen. But we judge the exterior and we place a label on them and we say you're this and you're that and you're this and we divide everybody up in our minds and we forget that God called you to love regardless of any labels that the world puts us on puts on us he called us to love and love for your neighbor is the only way the gospel is going to go forth and the love for each other is the only way the church will be effective we cannot be divided there's no time for drama there's no time for clicks there's no time for disconnecting from each other we have to put in the time the energy the work the prayer to work through our issues and begin to see each other the way God sees you We have to. And if you're serious, I love the title of this retreat. Out of the grave, right? Okay. I love it. (laughs) I love it because out of the grave means so much. It means so much.
When you love God, you find yourself. When you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you find who you really are. You go from being a taker to a giver. You go from being the child who is so desperately trying to get something for himself, and you see that you're a child of a king, a king who washes his disciples' feet, a king who gets nailed to the cross for his people, a king who lowered himself to the ground and emptied himself and humiliated himself to start a family of people. That's the level of our king. That's the heart of our king. And we are his children. So when you love God, you discover yourself. You discover that you're no longer a selfish, self-absorbed person trying to find something for yourself, but you discover that you're this gracious and loving and merciful child who just wants to give, who just wants to pour out, who just wants to look out into this world and love people. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they've said about you. It doesn't matter the things they've done about you. You discover your identity. And it's a giver. It's not a taker. And this is why we need each other. This is why you can't do this alone. You may think it's easier to disconnect from everyone. You may think it's easier to hide yourself in your flaws. But the only thing you're really doing when you hide yourself from the church, when you disconnect from the church, is you're hiding and disconnecting yourself from the very body, the very people, the very community who carry the spirit of God the people who God desires to use to bring wholeness and completion into your life. This is why this earth was created. We weren't created to live alone. You weren't created to live for yourself. You were created to live for each other. It's a beautiful thing. You were created to live for God's glory to shine out into all parts of this world. You, all of you, carry such a heavy mantle and calling. But it's not to be a taker. It's to be a giver. It's to be a reflector, not an absorber. You know what an absorber is? Like a sponge. You put the sponge down and it just sucks everything up, everything you can get. You were called to be a mirror to take the goodness of God and let it shine right out of you. To spend time loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And from that connection, letting that light shine right out into the world by loving your neighbor. Because the truth is you can't love your neighbor until you love God. But God said, the way you love me is seen in the way you love your neighbor. And you're being called out of the grave. What does that mean? 
He's calling you. He's calling you to take this banner of hope and raise it over your life. Some of you need to delete some pictures on Instagram. Some of you need to delete your bio and what it says and think hard and pray hard of what you're identifying yourself with, of who you are. Because you're being called to take this banner of hope, of grace, of love, of mercy, and letting that thing shine right over your life so that every person who comes across your path sees it. This is a child of light. This is a child of hope. There's something different about this person. They talk to me differently. They treat me differently. The world doesn't treat me this way. But this person is different. You're called to be a people who desire to live as a family of children who are led by God's spirit and shine his light out into the world. He's calling you out of the grave. He's calling you out of the grave of self-obsession and pride. He's calling you out of the grave of self-harm and depression in Jesus' name. He's calling you out of the grave of pornography and any media that distorts the goodness of God's creation in Jesus' name. He is calling you out of that grave. He's calling you out of the grave of lies that you don't need anyone else, that all you need is yourself. It's a lie. You don't do this on your own. You can't do this on your own. You need the family of God. He's calling you out of the grave of leaning on your own understanding and trying to figure everything out on your own. Even if your family isn't there for you, even if your friends aren't there for you, you have a God who gave you his spirit to lead you and to guide you and to speak to you and to teach you. You don't need your own understanding. You need the spirit of God. And he's calling you out of the grave because some of you had to grow up depending on yourself. Some of you had to grow up leaning on your own understanding for survival. Bible, but he is calling you out of that grave and saying, trust me, I'm your father. I love you. I have my hands wrapped around you. He is good. Is God not good? Can someone testify in here of how good God is? Can someone say how faithful God is in here? You're not alone. You don't have to lean on your own understanding anymore. He's calling you out of that grave. He's calling you out of the grave of tearing others down to make yourself feel better. He's calling you out of the grave of division and bitterness and is calling you into a life where grace and mercy and forgiveness is the banner that lays over his family. A family where justice, where love and peace reigns and flows through the heart of his children. He's calling you out of the grave and he's calling you into the light. And you need each other because this is your family. These are the people who are going to tell you to delete that app, put that thing down that's destroying your life. These are the people that are going to call you and say, I see you hanging out with that person and I'm worried about you. Can we pray? These are the people that are going to call you and say, I haven't seen you in church in a couple weeks. Are you okay? 
Is there something you need? This is your family. And we all need to take our focus off ourselves and put our focus on the only one who has the ability to connect us together, to unite us together, to fulfill your own individual identity and to fulfill our own family identity. We need to come up out of the grave of our self-obsessed culture and say, I'm not gonna be like so-and-so with two million followers. I'm not gonna be like so-and-so who posts and 10 seconds later, they have a million likes. I'm not gonna be like this person or that person or this person. I'm gonna raise the banner of Jesus and put it over my life and walk boldly, authentically, and strongly out into the world by love and grace and say, this is who I am and I am okay and my family is important to me my brothers and sisters are important to me and if I can just find the ability to let God's love shine through me it's gonna be okay I'm gonna be okay he's calling you out of the grave of yourself and he's calling you into the light of his family and you're important in his family you matter in his family he calls you by name. He's given you his spirit. He has identified you as his child. And he's given you a mandate to live by. And all he wants is your love. He wants to love you. He wants you to love him. And he wants you to love each other. That's how we're going to bring revival in this world. That's how we're going to transform this world for the gospel of Jesus. That's how you're going to overcome the things you've been trying so hard to overcome in your life, not on your own, together. And normally I would call you up and I'd put my hand all over your foreheads, but I can't do that. But what I can do is this. And this is where it really matters anyways. I want to challenge you to take this message and apply it to your life. Don't just say that's a good word. That's a great word, Michael. That's a great sweatshirt, Michael. I know. I know. I get it. But take this message from God and apply it to your life. Think about how you treat people. Think about how you talk to people. Do people see Jesus when they see you? Do people feel the light of, and love of God when they see you? And maybe you need to come and forgive. Or maybe you need to come and ask for forgiveness. I've done it a, quite a few times in my life. Whatever it takes to drop all the stuff on the ground and look at your brother and look at your sister and look at the world and say, I love you because you are a child of God and you may not be there yet. You may not have it all together yet, but I know God has a plan for you. And until you get there, I wanna lock arms with you and I wanna help you go this way. No, we're not going this way. We're not being shifted by culture. We're going this way. The banner of the gospel of Jesus, that's where we're going. And I wanna walk there with you, but we can't stay here in the grave. We gotta come out, and we have to do it together. So I wanna go into worship with you guys.
And I think they have the freedom to come up, right? They want. But we're just going to worship to God. We're just going to sing to the Father. We're just going to give our hearts. And if there's something that you need to let go today, let it go. Don't walk out of that room and not let it go out of your heart. If there's someone you need to forgive, send them a text message right now. If there's someone you need to apologize to, do it right now. This is the moment. Reconcile your differences. Come together. This is your moment. But I want to call you guys up. And when we worship, we're worshiping to God. And our prayer is that, God, you give us the light. You give us the love. You give us what we need, God, to reflect you into this world, to stay connected as a family. And we're going to do it together. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. Make sure to share this episode with your friends and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at mcarrollnow. Have a great day. Until next time.